Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void where prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Welcome into another episode of Musings on Madison here on the Second City Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Dave Melton, the site manager at Second City Hockey. You can find me on Twitter at DMelt57. And uh, we had fun for a week because the Hawks like won a few games. But now we're back to just the good old fashioned uh, terrible team that we've all come to know and despise over the last few months. And I've got all my usual line mates with me this evening to talk about that team. Up first, the analytics darling of Second City Hockey. You can find on Twitter at your host's witness. It is Shepard Price. Uh, so next week is the Royal Rumble, which is happening in San Antonio. I'm going to it. I bought tickets before I realized that Vince McMahon was back in charge of WWE. <laughs> and now I kind of want to sell those tickets. But well, yeah, I, Triple H and, and Vince McMahon are two entirely different people. And, Vince, and Triple H should definitely be in charge of WWE now. I, I feel bad for the like, as we've discussed several times on these airwaves, like I've been dipping my toe back in the pro wrestling thing, haven't gotten back into WWE at all. But I feel bad for people that have been watching that for a long time. And then just all of this happens. And not only does like Vince McMahon's going to coming back and now like the the live golf people are supposed to be buying out WWE. So yep, there's just, Saudi there's just all this. All this ugliness at the top of the pyramid now for WWE. So uh, Paul sucks. I, I feel bad for all those fans, but like I, I that's just there's there's so many places like that these days. I don't even know where to go anymore. Oh, to to AEW. That that that's yes. Awesome. <laughs> there you go. So speaking of AEW, uh, also with us this evening, uh, he's on Twitter at Mill182, and he is the second city hockey. What Eva Hendricks is to Charlie Bliss, it's Mill Savage. Hi, I don't really have anything for you. Okay. <laughs> the Hawks are bad neither, again. Neither, I was going to say, neither do the Hawks. So. Yeah, the Hawks are bad again, and uh, yeah, and wrestling might be bad on some some networks. But aren't you, aren't you overjoyed about the return of uh, Adam Cole? I am. I am very happy that he's – mostly I'm just happy that he's okay. Yeah. Um, and, you know, for my own selfish entertainment, anytime uh, a wrestler or an athlete gets hurt, of course you want them back, but – I'm very happy that he is okay because concussions are really awful. And the more we learn about them, we, the more we see how terrible they can be for people affected. So yes, happy. He's okay. I, yeah, I think that's the one side of that whole business that I have not fully appreciated until now of like how badly the athletes in that world get their bodies destroyed. Like it's like, they're just like any other sports athlete. They're more sports entertainment. I get it. But, uh, they, their bodies get destroyed just like any hockey or football or whatever sport player you have. So, uh, yeah, I, I yeah it's part brutal. Of older, you know, like if, even if you don't like wrestling anymore or if you never liked it, it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, like we know it's not real. Like Chris Jericho's throwing fireballs at people. Like we know it's fake, but we, we know it's not real. But when somebody's somebody who's supposed to spike you through a table and they miss and just spike you on the concrete floor, you can't yeah. fake that. Just, just because it's not a competition doesn't mean it's not dangerous. Exactly. So uh, good good on that. Thank you yeah. for your service. All right. Well, now we have to wake her up because our opening tangent went into wrestling, but also with us this evening. Uh, she's not on Twitter, but you can find her at secondcityhockey.com under the name LBR, where she is the Second City Hockey Bull and Wall of Text. It's Betsy. 
That's okay. I was scrolling through like Instagram while you came through, <laughs> and the thing that just came up on my feed was uh, Alexander Skarsgård kissing Henrik Lundqvist while sitting next to Ryan Reynolds at a Rangers game. So I was like, "Cool, what? I'm distracted. It's fine." Wasn't that like a week or two ago that I, have not, I didn't see them? it? Whatever it was, okay. but it that just is... hit my my Instagram reels, so I'm excited about it. That I is, uh, seen, I'm not going to lie. I haven't been paying attention to hockey. Like the fact that the Hawks are so bad kind of, kind of hurts like wanting to watch any hockey a little bit. Like, does that make sense? So I haven't you, really been keeping up. You know what? That's actually, that's a great place to start because uh, I, we, well, obviously with the Blackhawks being bad again, there's not much intrigue about them. And that is uh, something I was thinking about recently that I feel like I don't, really watch as much of the other teams in the league. Cause you know, when the Hawks are good, like you would watch the other Western conference teams to see what it would be like uh, if the Hawks have to face them in the playoffs. And then you watch the Eastern conference to see who could be lurking in the Stanley cup final. And like, I've watched some games, but I feel like I, if they're on, it's, it's just like the Hawks teams now. It's more like background noise. I'm not really watching it intently. I just kind of lost. Like, uh, it's just, it's just, this season's just not fun. No, no. This season, this season's, this is, this season's also weird. Like the Kraken are unexpectedly good. Like teams that are supposed to be good, like the Avalanche, are, are either too hurt or are just not playing up to their hype. Um, it's a weird season in terms of the NHL right now. Yeah, I, uh, I mean, some of the league-wide stuff, like, um, like New Jersey's really good and fun this year. Yeah, which is which is which is cool. I it's a new face atop the standings, which is always good to have. Um, like the Bruins are obscenely good, and I don't oh, like it. And I hope that they might not lose ten games. <laughs> well, my my one thought with them is like all of their studs are well, not all of their studs, but a significant portion of their top producers are like well into their thirties. So yeah, they're good now, but are are they still going to be playing at this level come April, May, and June if they get that far? I mean, Marshan like took like he was out to start the season, so at least he got some a break a little bit. And I am convinced that like Bergeron cannot like just the fact that he's such, <laughs> he a, such a good player that it fuels <laughs> like as a person he's that it fuels him as a good player, so he'll never <laughs> slow down. So yeah, like we this was going to be part of our agenda for later in the show, but since we're here, we might as well stay here with just a, a league wide perspective and see what else is going on. Like, I know it kind of contradicts what I was saying earlier that I can't say I've watched the rest of the league with as much attention paid as I have in seasons past. But like you see, you see headlines from around the league with like Boston doing really good, New Jersey being good. The, I think the team, the two teams that are the most fun for me this season are the team that just beat the ever living shit out of the Hawks on Saturday night in the Seattle Kraken. And then the Buffalo Sabres are a lot of fun, which is the first oh, time yeah. anybody said that in like 10 years. Go ahead. Jay. That's all because of Tage Thompson, who's scoring like 50 goals in 30 games. And he's uh, like six five, and he skates, and he does, and he's an incredible magician with the puck. Like he's just fun to every. I feel like once or twice a week there is a Tage Thompson highlight on my Twitter timeline, and it's always like, holy shit, he should not be able to do that, but he does. Do you guys think yeah. Buffalo will make the playoffs though? No. <laughs> they're they're technically above Florida in points percentage, but like it's gonna be hard. Yeah. That says more about Florida than it does about Buffalo, I think. I know, but I would love to see, like, I don't mind Florida, but I would love to see Buffalo get in above Florida and Pittsburgh um, just be, just for new kids. I'd like new kids on the block to be. Yeah, <laughs> I heard they had a bunch of hits, new, yeah. new kids on the block. Um, the, you know, one tip we can toss out is the New York Islanders. I, I never, oh, yeah. I, I have no feelings against them. I don't really despise them, but they're just boring. They never do anything. Like they had one. They've never run. done anything. Yeah, they're not, they're like their entire existence the has been. Yeah, their entire existence has been like grind and fucking two one hockey. Yeah, yeah, just full the full on Barry Trotz mold. Like I just get them out, get Buffalo into the playoff picture. That's my that's my wish for the second half of the season. Uh, it's also kind of hilarious that the Red Wings are still not going to make the playoffs. Um, I guess that rebuild's going to be in year 13 or 14 for them. Maybe saying that's going to come back to haunt me in four or five years because the Blackhawks will be in year 13 of their rebuild, but whatever. 
Um, the Flyers, the Flyers like started off like gangbusters and then completely uh, exploded. Um, you know, Montreal. We've talked about them enough. There's Ottawa. Um, I'd like but, to throw out there that I was made fun of for saying the Jets would be good this year. Well, um, I mean, I, that feels like something I would do because the Jets, I like, they seemed like they were Connor Hellybuck and then a whole bunch of other people that just weren't going to be good enough. But apparently, it's working this year. I mean, they're they're a mediocre team that has a good goalie in net. One I, of the best goals. So yeah, I was going to say, good, yeah, they're, good they're might riding. be underselling, like, Bezin a quality goalie right there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Hey, but they're like, it any way you want. I, I called it. I know. Well, <laughs> performing well and being good are not the same. Right. Part. And make, making the playoffs in a weak West where, like, there's, like, four good teams in the Central because Minnesota's underperforming. I, yeah, I clap, they're, like, they're, I like, for you, they're actually not – if you look at like their stats across the board, they're pretty like mediocre or below in every way. Hey, I didn't that. say that their analytics would look good. I just said <laughs> that they win games. Well, that's true. Yeah. Like I said, I, I think the difference between being good and performing well are different or winning are different things. So. Well, fair I mean, enough. But when, when the godforsaken Stan, uh, St. Louis blues won the Stanley cup with like no future hall of famers, they should be stripped of it because their analytics weren't good. You could make an <laughs> argument, and I would back you on that. But they unfortunately still fucking won, and it still haunts me. Yeah, we don't talk you know, about that. Their season. analytics were okay. They weren't great, but they were okay. They um, weren't great, though. No. <laughs> There's only a couple of teams that didn't have good shot metrics in like the last 15 years, and St. Louis is one of them. Exactly. Hey, speaking of St. Louis and, and teams that are bad this year, uh, the Blues are behind the Avalanche in the standings right now. So uh, I don't get yeah, good. Fuck them. Yeah, exactly. Because they started they started with like a ten game losing streak. Yeah, yeah. They, yeah and at one point, weren't they like up there with the Hawks for like we were scared? Yeah, yeah. no, they were. I think early on the season, we, the few of the like tank standings updates that we did, I think St. Louis was down there. It always felt like they were going to at least get out of the basement of the NHL standings. But I don't think, I mean, they got a, they got to leap Colorado and, and, and Edmonton or Calgary just to get into the wild card spot. And they're, you know, they're six points back with a game in hand on Edmonton and half the season to go. But I mean, I I haven't seen very many indications that they're turning things around at all. They've lost their last two. So eh. as long as they're above the Hawks, as far as like not getting a good pick, I don't care. Yeah. I Go wouldn't ahead. mind them making the playoffs just and then lose embarrassingly in the first round just so that they don't have a chance at lot. Like, this is what I want. I wish could, this could happen with every central team. <laughs> you all <laughs> yes. make the play. You can't do that. Uh, yeah. Uh, Dallas is in there again. And Dallas is another team. I feel like uh, similar to the Jets. Like, yeah, cool. You're going to make the playoffs. But then what's going to happen? Probably nothing. So have have fun, I guess. Um, what, what else we got? Uh, oh, I. I don't know if any of you were following the press conference today in Vancouver, but that whole situation is uh, bad to, to put it gently. Like they are, uh, it seems like they're going into another rebuild for like the fifth time in the last decade, which just really, really saddens me to, uh, to see one of the Hawks more fierce rivals from back in the day, uh, completely unable to get out of its own way. So, so that was fun. Um, yeah. Uh, but other than that, like it, uh, like I just, I I've enjoyed, uh, I've enjoyed the Kraken's rise. They don't really have any hateable players on their team. Uh, and I, they just, they had a seven game road trip, which I remember seeing, uh, at the start of that road trip, somebody was, was describing it as a big test for them. And then they swept the goddamn thing. So, uh, they, they seem to be doing pretty well. Although, uh, I, I got questions about their goalies because, <laughs> You do question their defense too. I mean, they not the best. They um, literally they, said, "Fuck defense, we're going to score." Yeah, exactly. They were like, "We're just going to score by committee and get it done." They, they they don't, got, they don't, if you they look at every team, I, yeah, I, I kept. I, I when I was doing the preview for that game, I was like, they literally have no players above like almost like I think all of them were point eight. I think one of them had point eight three um, points per game. And I think they're the only team that didn't have at least like that's in the playoff race. Excuse me, they didn't have at least one player at a point per game or better. But then if Fucking you look down, the lineup, fourteen goals. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I think I think their team is like the perfect foil for the Blackhawks because they may not have like the top tier 
clear cut, like this is our, our, our number one line that can go against any line in the NHL, but they have four lines that are all pretty good. And the Hawks don't have one line. That's pretty good. Yeah, exactly. So, so that is the worst case scenario for the Hawks is to face a team like that. Like Seattle has 12 players with at least 20 points this season, and they have 17 in double digits. The Hawks have three guys with at least 20 points this season and only 11 in double digits to give you an idea of how much better Seattle's depth is compared to the Blackhawks. So, yeah, their offensive depth. Yeah. But uh, I, I still those uh, I, I know you you said, Betsy, their defense isn't good, but uh, Martin Jones and Philip Grubauer in that do not appear to be getting it done for that team. No, those are it's so crazy the that uh, Martin Jones had a worse save percentage than Staylock did. Not worse than Mrazic, but that's because Mrazic <laughs> let in like everything except one. Um, but I don't it's just such a it's such a weird thing. Martin Jones is on a playoff team doing a like sub. He's like an eight eight or something. Yeah, I, I thought I thought the uh, the era of sub 900 playoff goalies had died out in like the early 90s. But Seattle's trying to trying to fix that for everyone. I there there's one other team that's having a very good regular season again, and they're probably like the analytics darling of the NHL. So we can call them the Shepherd Price of the NHL and the Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, they're all except that. They always have really good possession numbers, but I, I have a theory with them and I wanted to bounce it off the three of you and maybe you'll tell me I'm an idiot. But um, Carolina is like at the at or near the very, very top of like every possession metric that exists out there. I feel like at some point, like it's almost like too much possession because at some point you should be able to put the puck in the net and then you end possession of having the puck. So I feel like it's it's almost uh They've got the puck so much, it's a sign that they can't finish. And that it's going yeah. to be the same problem when they get to the postseason, that they're not going to be able to score enough goals. They to have win. to figure out how to be the L.A. Kings from like 2012 and 2014. Both teams were exceptionally good. Like they were at the top or near the top of the all possession stats. But in the regular season, they couldn't score in 2012. Quick pretty much had to make sure, you know, like they could outscore their other teams by like two goals instead. And then in 2014, they finally figured out how to score. And like, I think Vegas had that problem too, when they first came into the league were exceptionally good possessionally, but couldn't score enough to overcome, you know, to like beat out some of these other teams that were both good at possession, but could also score. Shea might have more insight into that since Vegas is his time, their team. Yes. Uh, yeah. I feel like that's the same thing for Carolina where there's, there is that lack of finish there. I mean, Andre Svechnikov is supposed to be their finish, their big finisher. And now they got match, but Max Pacci already. There's a reason they took on that contract from Vegas. Yeah. Uh, but um, yeah, at some point you, you have to, your possession only means so much, especially if you're not like, if you're dominating quality, then it, it is, it, it does mean a lot, but you need to be able to finish those quality chances. And that's why they have, brought in more goal scorers, but they're and not really seeing that payoff for them. And, and Pacioretty's um, close to being back, right? Like I know he, I don't I believe he is. back. He, okay. I, I'm, I feel like I saw, I, I saw a headline somewhere that he was near in return. I don't know if he actually came back or not. I could look it up, but eh, who cares? It's the East. <laughs> I believe he, he's at least skating in pre in pre game okay. warmups. Yeah. So he's, right, well, he's, he's very, very close. If not already back. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. uh, Really quickly before we uh, get too far away, I, I wanted to circle back to the the quick discussion on the Seattle cracking game on Saturday night. And like when like Morazic gets yanked, they bring in Staylock and he started getting the Bronx cheer from the crowds. Now, uh should point out that they did some sort of like stadium bar crawl before the game. So it's very possible that the entire or significant portions of the crowd were extremely overserved and that going down six to one with that crowd in the building was a very bad combination. But I genuinely, I generally felt bad, genuinely felt bad for Alex Daylock at the end of that period. Cause he wasn't the one who gave up six goals and seven shots. He makes one save and he's getting the standing ovation from the crowd mocking him. I didn't, I felt bad for him in that moment. I, I, but maybe that's just me. I don't know. Well, well, to be fair, I bet you most of the people in the building did it. I bet you they didn't know who the goalies were. (laughs) (laughs) That's uh, like, let's be honest here. 
the people that went to that game, it was a weekend against the newest team in the league, and there was a bar call beforehand. It was their <laughs> second sold out crowd. Yeah, they sold out this season, and they didn't. They didn't come to watch hockey. Yeah, <laughs> so. which I mean, I went to the game Thursday, and I was barely there to watch hockey because I knew. Although they won, the Hawks won, so I guess I shouldn't uh, complain too much. But yeah, it's it, it it's and it was an interesting atmosphere because it felt very like on uh, the game Thursday, like it almost felt like you were at like a giant picnic. Like everybody was just hanging out and talking in the seats and kind of watching the game, but kind of not really just cause this whole season's just a, a throwaway. And I, I, I hope that as the Hawks get better, that that goes away and that like the, the people like, like that are really there to watch the game and, and are really into the team start coming back more and more. But it just seems like that's the reality of the situation now. Like they're trying to get anybody into the stadium any way they can. And apparently it's working more power to the, the Blackhawks uh, PR and uh, event staff or, or whatever, whoever's in charge of coming up with all these ideas because it's working. But um it's just it's a weird it's a weird environment going inside that stadium. At least it felt that way Thursday. I'm going to try to go again a few more times to confirm that that's the reality because the tickets will be cheap. But uh, yeah, it's just it's a weird it's a weird. It just felt odd to be watching. It, go ahead, Mill. It's like going to a Cubs or Sox game in the dog days when the team is not good, but the Yankees are in town. Yeah, there you yeah. know what I mean. And it's like. It doesn't matter which which team it is for the Chicago baseball team. Like when you're bad and it's that stretch of uh, baseball where it's just miserable and the players are getting tired and you just go to drink and like hang you, out at the ball game. Yeah, you go because it's summer and it's fun to be outside hanging yeah, out. Yeah, you're summer. hanging out with different fans and talking shit and whatever. It's like it feels like that. But the Hawks didn't used to have that because they were so good for a stretch that like yeah. everybody was into the game because they were fucking winning. So, yeah, I don't know. It's It had to be a bizarre atmosphere for sure on uh, not just yeah. Saturday, but the one you went to. And actually, like the baseball game comparison is it feels like a really good one because I think most hockey games you go to, there's like you can like feel some of the like intensity or like the anxiety that's building as the game's getting really close. Um, Like even that Hoss game, they won three to two. Colorado pulled the goalie in the last minute and it didn't like you well, didn't really waved off too. Yeah. And and it just didn't. It, nothing really felt that tense, and I, like it never felt like nervous or anything. And like sometimes you can feel that in the building uh, from just it's oozing out of the, everyone around you. But none, not not any of that this time. Uh, just the kind of the nature of the beast. Uh, by the way, just the way I described how boring baseball can be, I'm pretty sure Betsy's just like, yeah, that's why I tune you guys out. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, yeah, you know when you go and it's just super boring. When we're Nobody talking about to... we're talking about football or baseball or wrestling or or anything that's not hockey, really. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy. Or, or or we can start talking about uh, Gwen Stefani again if we wanted to bring the conversation back to two weeks ago. Mm. All right. <laughs> uh so yeah. Uh, the the only other thing uh, worth talking about related to the Blackhawks is that they uh, sent Lucas Reichel back down to the AHL on whatever day that was on. It was on Friday. Cause it was uh, between the Thursday game against the avalanche and the Saturday game against the Kraken. And it's just kind of weird. Cause it seemed like Luke Richardson had said a week before that they were going to keep him around. And then they didn't. So uh, I, I just thought it was weird. Shay, what about you? What were your thoughts when uh, this news came down for you? Sorry, I zoned out for a second. What what news we're talking about? <laughs> the Lucas right? Yeah, <laughs> that's oh okay. yeah. They 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 they, pro- <laughs> they promised that they would that if they were going to bring him up this season and it wasn't a emergency call up that they were going to keep him up because well, that, that's, that seems that's like a broken promise. That was the thing that made it so weird is that that like Luca Richardson had said like a week before he'd been quoted after a game as telling the media that uh, they thought it, they were expecting Reichel to be around for the long term and now he's not. Yeah. No. Uh, He's, he was playing better than a lot of the Blackhawks players in the bottom six. And, um, and, in, and, and so, in the top six, for that matter. He was one of enough. their best forwards. By uh, Maybe maybe it's a thing about, like, maybe they realize they need to keep him away from this team because they're going to continue to win, lose a lot of games and maybe keeping like a strike in, on a team in, Ro- in Rockford that's going to win 
a lot more games than the, Black, than the Blackhawks this season. Richard uh, Davidson did mention that as one of his. I was I was just about to come to that because that the, the there was a quote from uh, the GM himself when he talked to the media. I think on Friday morning, it seemed like he knew he knew that there was going to be some pushback to the the Reichel oh, demotion for sure. Um, because he's he was lit, like pretty much the only thing worth watching about this team for a while. And uh, I'm I'm efforting pulling up the quote, but what were you going to say, Betsy? Uh, the quote was, let's call a spade a spade. We're chasing most games here, and I don't necessarily think that's conductive to extremely positive development. There's great situations in Rockford where our young players have to go out and defend a lead. Um, so, yeah, which... So that's not the only, so he gave two excuses, right? He gave the generic, uh, we want him to go play meaningful hockey down in Rockford to be the go-to guy, blah, blah, blah. And Michael's minutes were cut in that last game. Um, he, he didn't even play 13 minutes. Um, but that's such a bullshit excuse because the fucking front office can just, I mean, Richardson controls those minutes. So if you want him to play meaningful hockey, play him more in the NHL. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. Like, like there, there, yeah, there, there is an argument for, uh, you could make him, you could make Reichel do all those things in Chicago. If you really, really wanted to, um, the point about like, I, the only point I would mildly concede that Davidson made was about like playing important games and, and like, we're always chasing. So maybe he has to learn how to defend the lead. Like, I, I guess kind of, I could understand that point, but it's just, it feels it feels a little cop outy, but it also I, I feel like that is the closest we might get this entire season to Davidson uh, publicly is saying that we have no desire to win any games because they're chasing these games. They're losing on purpose. This was part of their plan. They don't want to win this year. And so obviously another part of their plan was keeping Lucas Reichel down in the minors all season um, and only calling them up if they needed him, which they did when Kane got hurt. And now that Kane's back, back to Rockford with Reichel. So it just... This this is the part where I've, I'm sure I've railed about this before, but this is where I, it's so it's such a cynical, I, cynical approach to an entire hockey season that I just I hate on general principle and I can't get over that how much I hate the way the Hawks are going about what they're doing right now. I get it, Connor Bedard, yada yada yada, whatever. But it's just I uh, I will I guess I'm just gonna die on this hill. <laughs> I think is I think is where I'm at. I think the the problem is that we're all like, yeah, we might get Connor Bedard, but there's that thing in the back of your mind that is, well, what if you don't get him? Then this oh, absolutely. was for nothing. And that's not to say that Fentilli and Carlson and Mitch Cover are not going to be great players, but they're not mm. going to be worth the pain, the frustration of everything that happened this season, the trade of Debrinket, um, you know, like just all of that. And it's, and I'm not, not even sure it. if Connor Bedard's going to be worth it because they need more than just one guy. Connor Bedard's yeah. a hell of a guy to get, but I think we won't know if it's. I think it'll be one step too yeah. worth it. Like, like yeah. you, we have to wait to see the rest of the picture and hope that Davidson is is better than the people that were in charge of Buffalo and Edmonton and a bunch of these other teams forever. Um, <laughs> yeah. Or, you know, <laughs> or De- Detroit, which I mocked uh, about 10 minutes ago. So I don't think Detroit's ever gotten. They, yeah. They've like never, that. they've never quite bottomed out the way the Hawks are. Yeah. There's like, I even, even I don't, I think like Bedard's probably going to be better than Eichel. Um, but like, those are the two closest, like, McDavid and Eichel are the two closest we've come to of like, these are like the best players of like like, this current generation when they were drafted. And then they went to two restarting teams and both of them were actually farther along in their restarts than the Blackhawks are now. So, but they both failed and Edmonton kind of picked it back up, but they lucked out with Dreisaitl. So yeah, it's going to be this right now is pain it's not going to be worth the pain even a little bit if they don't get Bedard. And even then we won't know if it's fully worth it until years from now. Yeah. That, I think that's the thing is it's, it's going to be several more years before we found out about all the other pieces, the, the Korchinskis and the Nazers and Sam Renzel and Savoy and all, all these other guys that are 
hopefully part of the future, but uh, are still a majority of them are still teenagers. So it's going to be a while before they get up here. We're just kind of just kind of wait, waiting it out, waiting, waiting for something good to happen. And ugh. um, but hey, at least Lucas Reich will look good, right? Yeah, he looked good in all the games he was up to last time. Yeah, he's he's a he's a, again he's he's a very good good forward. They with with Stan Bowman's last first round pick made a decent selection. Honestly, Bowman, like the weirdest thing about Bowman is I think all of his picks in the latter half of the first round were pretty good. Like you're never going to get gener like it's very hard to get generational talent in, but all of them were pretty good. Not any of them other than uh, Tara Vinan did anything for the Blackhawks, really. But still, <laughs> um, they were good. But his his top-ish picks, you you could say, weren't the best. No. Yeah. <laughs> can, can confirm. Uh, so especially, especially that number three and uh, number seven or eight, whatever uh, Bocas was. Like, the, those two, like, yeah, eight. Uh, like, those two picks, like, if those had panned out better, and we've already discussed why they didn't work out, so we don't need to rehash that. But like, I think the ultimate conclusion is they didn't work out as well as any of us hoped they would have. And if they had worked out better, we're probably not in the situation that we are in right now with this team. But uh, but they didn't, and here we are watching the literal worst team in the NHL uh, for another three more Well, months. are they the literal worst team in the NHL? Or they, yes. They, yes. No, no, yeah, they just hit – 32 on every single shot, major shot stat. Hey, in terms of the standings, I know they passed Columbus, but that's no, they're still, no, they're no still Columbus, Columbus won, won a couple days ago. So they're okay. back in front. Don't you worry, Shay. The, the, well, I am worried. <laughs> just my, anyway, just, Columbus is, is it's Chicago, Anaheim, Columbus. So Anaheim is really the team you got to look out for. So. It's, it's it's Anaheim and Columbus that I'm standings watching every I night mean, for the Anaheim has a negative 82 gold differential. If you, Chicago's at 60, like that's <laughs> that's how bad that is. Like I I just want to throw in a quick hot take before we move on. Uh, had Bowman's first round picks all worked out, we probably wouldn't be using the free version of Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> Just, just my, just my column here. <laughs> I, I have nothing else to add to that. That's, uh, that, that's pretty good. Um, so, I, uh, on that note, uh, we're we're gonna pause and we're gonna take a quick time out, and then, ah, we'll find something else to talk about on the other side of this break. But uh, come on back for whatever the hell that topic is going to be. Welcome back to Musings on Madison here on the Second City Hockey Podcast Network. And as promised before the break, we do have a topic, folks. We we still have more show to get to. Uh, if you were paying attention to the side at all within the last week, we did a big roundup of updates on all of the Blackhawks prospects while there were a handful of days off between uh, leading up to that Colorado game last Thursday. And uh, so if you're interested for a much more in-depth uh, discussion on any of those players. Uh, the last one ran today, which is Monday as I'm talking. Um, but the, the year they're all carved up into zones with the uh, Europe and NCAAs and the ice hogs. And then, uh, today was the CHL USHL one. So if you're interested in any of those Blackhawks uh, prospects, feel free to visit secondcityhockey.com And there's articles up about all of those leagues, but just, uh, wanted to quick, do a quick, uh, whip around to, each of those areas and see if there's anything interesting happening out there. So Shay, I know you were out in Europe, so what's going on out there? Anything? Uh, so the, the, the best news is that Ilya Safanov, who's in uh, the KHL uh, and mm-hmm. was drafted in 2021 as a sixth, uh, as a sixth round pick is kill, basically killing it for AK bars. In the <laughs> AK, Is it AK bars or, or isn't like AK, like their version of like football club? Like, like okay, sorry, go on. All good. Uh, and so he's uh, got 21 points in 44 games. Um, pretty somewhat was drafted as an overager, but he isn't that old. Um, very skilled, very talented, but he is uh, a Russian player, which means that if they ever want to bring him over, um, let's just say the Blackhawks haven't had the most luck with Russian players. <laughs> uh, <laughs> 
Yeah, still still waiting for Kayamov to make his way over and uh, Kayamov and Shalyanov. Maxim Shalyanov, that's the one I was thinking of. Yes. Yep. Uh, The bad news is Michael Crudel, who who is uh, a higher pick uh, in 2020, um, got zero points in 21 games in the Czech League, which is not one of the world's best leagues. And he's coming off a season where he had five assists in 21 games in the Swedish Hockey League, which is a much better league. And so yeah. that sort of disapp- disappearance of production for a it, defenseman is troubling. And wasn't Crudel briefly with the Ice Hogs for a season or two? Yes. Yeah, yeah he so played, he played with like the he, Ice Hogs. Yeah, he came over to North America, and I don't think it went as well as he hoped. And then he went back to Europe, and it's not getting any better. I no. think he, he was uh, – Crudel was even down in like the second tier of Czech hockey for a bit, so – yeah, yeah he, not, it's it's not it's not going great for him. My um, go ahead. Sorry. No, go ahead. I was going to say my, my favorite like little piece of information on Ilya Sapanov is that he was the guy that Kirby Doc collided with in the World Juniors pre-tournament game that broke Kirby Doc's wrist. Just uh, the the fact that the Hawks drafted him a year later was just a, just a bizarre coincidence. Uh, well, but, he's he's very clearly talented. So there's a reason yeah. they did that. Yeah, and um, it's good. I don't know if there's I, any, I was also, any other players to highlight. The uh, the two pe- the two players at the top of the draft of this year's draft uh, are are European skaters, which is uh, Leo Carlson and Matvey Matvey Mishkov. Apologies to all of our Russian listeners. Mishkov, who didn't get to play in the World Juniors for obvious reasons, uh, is. People have said for like years that like it's kind of bedard, but then Mitchkov is not far behind. Um, I, I, he looks like he's not far behind. I mean, he's he's struggling to score in the KHL, but like he's dominating every other league he's been put in. Mm-hmm. Um, he he's probably and he also hasn't gotten the best opportunity with his K, KHL team uh, and playing with a different KHL team where he's got a be- gotten a better opportunity. He's playing a lot better. Yeah. He got, he got uh, like, they loaned him out to like the rush, the Russian equivalent of the AHL and he was playing really well there. And then he got loaned Dominated. out to another team back up in the KHL yes. and has been lighting up the league again. It's like if, uh, if the lightning put uh, a really talented player with Syracuse and they were like, Hmm, can the Blackhawks play him? Yeah. If any of the American professional leagues could let you loan players between professional level teams happens all the time in your, in uh, European soccer leagues does not happen yes. here at all. So, and, uh, and, and so, uh, yeah, both, both those play Carlson's also killing it and he killed it, uh, at the world juniors. Um, and, and that's saw his stock go up. I think if the Blackhawks are unfortunate enough to lose this season and become, and have the highest uh, lottery percentage, and then still fall to third. Either one of them is a good choice because I don't think even even as talented as Mitchkov is, he's not getting drafted ahead of Fantilli at this point. I don't think. Yeah, just because like, there is the Russian drama as well as. Yeah, I, I think yeah. the more interesting thing might be is if Leo Carlson sneaks into third because of the Russian drama, as you said, and also because Carlson's a very very good hockey player. Carlson's a very very good hockey player. I'd still take Mitchkov. Every day over him. Fair enough. Uh, Betsy was our Ice Hogs correspondent for this round of updates. So anything interesting happening up in Rockford? Uh, So they moved into third place. They're firmly in third place. Um, They're not that far behind the second place team, um, uh, Milwaukee. So that's actually very cool for them because I don't think they've finished outside of a wild card spot in years. Um, and they're yeah. doing it in a way that isn't just because of their goaltenders um, or because they have a couple of really good scoring guys. I It's, it's been much more balanced uh, two-way hockey from them. They have a good top six. They have a good bottom six, though they rotate the bottom six guys more. Um, but like like Slavin and a couple of those guys are just really good defensively. They, they handle their own shit pretty much, mm-hmm. so um but in terms of players obviously Reichel's doing good but um he wasn't around as much uh for this last little bit he popped off you know a point per game before he got called up to the Blackhawks but after him you've got Gutman who 
I know yeah. we talk like we we talk about like Shaw kind of guys. He's not like Shaw in terms of personality. He's not really a rat or anything like that, but he lives in front of the net. And he's little. He's not a big guy. He's built, but he's a short player. Um but he will outmuscle, outmaneuver, out whatever much older AHL players in front of the net to get goals. Um and he's got a he's pretty good uh playmaker too, like not as good as like Reichel is or a couple of the defensemen down there. But if you like a player that all he wants to do is live in front of the net, Cole Gutman is that player. Yeah, and he he was an interesting one because Tampa picked him in 2017 in the sixth round. I don't believe he ever signed there. And the Hawks signed him in the offseason, and it seemed like kind of a throwaway, like, yeah, they just need a body for Rockford. I, I wouldn't get too much about him. But then he's been like – He's been pretty good down there for, He's, I mean, yeah, it is the AHL, but you know, you can only, you can only play well in the games you are given and he's doing that. So he's easily the best prospect behind Reichel, like a uh, oh. full, like prospect, I, prospect, not, <laughs> um, I don't know if he'll make the NHL cause you've got players like Slavin who I think will carve out that, that Kruger like niche in the NHL and will do mm-hmm. well there. Um, while, Gutman is not as good defensively and we'll just, time will tell whether his offense will, because even though he does well against obviously the older AHL players, they're not as big or as strong or as fast as NHL guys. Otherwise they'd be in the NHL. Uh, (laughs) But yeah, I mean, he's pretty much the only other forward that's like prospect that's worth much. Like Hartman's not doing, he's doing okay right now, but he's been, like low compared to last year. He's still one of those, like, I still don't know the difference between him and why Reese Johnson got a call up, even though I haven't (laughs) minded Reese Johnson that much this year. I I was really hard on him last year because (laughs) I think they did. I think they did him a disservice putting him in the NHL before he was ready. And it showed last year. And I don't think he's completely ready now, but he's better than he was last year. But is he still a nice guy? Do we know if he's, is Reese Johnson still a a nice guy? guy. (laughs) Okay. But like Hardman's the same type of player. I don't, I don't really get why they chose one over the other. And then we talked about Slavin. I I think he, he would good. Tepley goes hot and cold, like crazy. Mm. Um, He's in a very like bad cold streak right now. He just had like zero points in his last, I think he's up to 10 games now. Um, But he had done a couple of point per game patches earlier. So it's, it just it just depends on how like who he's with and all that kind of stuff and that's pretty much it for the forwards. There's not that many down there, <laughs> um, which is kind of the whole point of the Blackhawks. They don't they don't really have stock in forwards, especially high end ones. Um, yeah, and then it's, for defense, the present situation. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and then for defensemen, you've got Regula finally hitting his stride. Um, he had a really bad couple of first months, and I I recommend reading Pope's article. I know I posted it in the. Um, prospect update that I did because um, he talks about how like mentally draining it was because he feels like he's NHL ready and he had to overcome that and it's a good mindset for young players to have and his ability to get over that I think is a testament to like him as a person and will make him stronger in the future um, but anyway he's been like just killing it uh, offensively but I think he's doing fine defensively as well i there are a lot of people that kind of see Regula, I think a little bit as a two-way guy and he can be, but he really is an offensive defenseman at heart. Um, he can defend, but they're going to want to put him in offensive situations when he gets mm-hmm. up to the NHL to maximize his potential. That's my and, opinion. And that, yeah. And he's like, like since Ian Mitchell's been up with the Hawks, and kind of forgot Ian Mitchell was even on the team because they keep scratching him. And Isaac Phillips got called up like, Ragul has pretty much been the guy on the blue line lately, right? Yeah, he is like, I think he's like 0.01 points per game behind Phillips. So if you're like, Phillips is better, I think, defensively than Ragul is. Um, But yeah, he's he's been, I don't think he's in the number one. I think Galvis has been getting more minutes. Oh, yeah, that's right. I forget about Jacob Galvis. That's another name I keep forgetting about. I know. I feel feel bad for him a little bit because he gets lost in the shuffle, but he's probably the best two-way guy on the team. Um, He's been with Regula sometimes, and when he is, 
anytime Galvis is with an offensive defenseman, he plays the defensive guy. Anytime he's with a defensive guy, he pops off offensively. So he's got like a dual ability that could be useful. I just, I don't know if it'll translate or not. Like the, these are all, um, can they translate? <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, then you have the, the guys that are quiet defensively. You've got Creever and then you've got, um, Vlasic, um, Oh, and fucking Bruce. I always forget him because <laughs> he he came in really strong and then he was kind of quiet the last little while. And I don't know if that's because they were he got kind of pushed back a little bit for Regula coming in um, and just like taking over. But um, but Creever and Vlasic are both guys that are Vlasic was injured for a little while. And then Creever is just so quiet. It's crazy how you can ignore a six foot seven guy, <laughs> a guy on the ice, but he like disappears. Yeah. And that's not a bad thing for a defenseman. It's just, how does he do that? Like, yeah. <laughs> what is that? The one, the one other player I wanted you specifically to highlight. Cause uh, I, I was, I, 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 it's, you know, it's a, a smaller, it might just be a blip on the radar, but apparently uh, Arvid Soderblom's had some issues since going back to the ice hogs after his latest stint in Chicago. Yeah, he so first of all he's injured right now. Oh, that that too. <laughs> but they they made him play like the night afterwards, and it was because he, he had those like two not great games in Chicago, but like not great in the sense that they were like the thing that the Blackhawks love to do, which is make their goaltenders face like a bazillion shots and all <laughs> tons of high danger. And then he went back to Rockford and played literally the next night, and I mean he got pulled. Pretty much immediately, like like just a like few minutes. Peter Morazic style. And then I he like <laughs> five five goals on twelve shots. Oh, not um, okay. So not a little bit more, bad, but yeah. But the way the team in front of him, and like I, I was trying to say earlier, they've been better defensively than I think they have been in recent years. But for some reason, that game they were like all out of sorts, um, and I think right before Soderbloom got pulled, he made like five like like two or three heroic saves and then like earlier he had made a bunch of heroic saves and then he got pulled because he let in a goal and it was one of those it felt at the time like one of those the coaches pulling to like shake up the team and hope hope makes better q used to do that a lot would pull Corey crawford even though it wasn't Corey crawford's fault that they were like down um and then in the next game he still just didn't have it okay (laughs) he looked he looked kind of not great. Um, and then again, the team in front of him wasn't playing good, but he, he probably was like, I don't know what's happening. Um, so maybe the injury is a good thing. Um, he got injured like less than six minutes into the, his third game back. Um, maybe it'll give him time to like regroup mentally. Maybe you can talk to Gula about that. Um, (laughs) (laughs) because yeah, I don't, this, so when we were talking earlier about Davidson saying he doesn't want, Reichel to get in, like learn bad habits and be in this like negative envi- environment of the Blackhawks. I Soderblom might have been up there too long. <laughs> like, did he? Did they break him? Because he had been excellent to start the season, and now he's got a. I think his season. He's it's only played in five games, uh, mm-hmm. but it's still a sub nine hundred. And I don't think he had a single five game span last year where he would have a save percentage under nine hundred. So. Okay. Not the best. So, yeah. So I, the interesting part though, is like, I feel like every, the rare seasons that Rockford has made the playoffs in the last handful of years, they've like gotten in like on the last, like two or three games, just sneaking into a wild card. But that, as you said, like, it does seem like they're cemented in a, in a playoff spot for now, at least. So that's, I guess that's encouraging. You know, maybe Lucas Reichel will get some playoff time down there and more than just a throwaway that weird first round series thing they do in, in the AHL. Um, but I, I wanted to quickly run through the uh, the CHL and US, USHL, easy for me to say, because that's where a lot of the big names in the organization are. Uh, Kevin Korchinski, Nolan Allen, and Colton Dock are all together on the Seattle Thunderbirds. Uh, Korchinski left the World Juniors, or after the World Juniors, he went back to Seattle and immediately started scoring points again. So even if you say fairly say he was underwhelming at the world juniors uh it does not appear to still be bothering him because he went right back to his uh club team and started scoring again uh nolan allen's been fine 
Uh, Colton Dock is going to be back at some point. Uh, they no word on when, but he's still carrying the injury he sustained at the World Juniors. Uh, but it doesn't require surgery, as Ben Pope from the Sun Times reported. So uh, hopefully he's back soon. Uh, Ethan Del Mastro got traded in the uh, OHL to the Sarnia Sting and immediately got put on their top defensive pairing. So uh, he's going to get a ton more ice time after having a really good tournament, uh, really good World Juniors tournament for Canada. Uh, some of the like it seems like pretty much all of the Blackhawks prospects that were on this report uh, are doing well. Just about, I mean, Gavin Hayes is lighting up things for the Flint Firebirds in the OHL. Paul Ludwinski's still uh, he's just got named the team captain and he's playing top line center minutes in Kingston. Uh, Samuel Savoy, which I again I might be saying his name wrong. I don't know if we ever established how to pronounce his name. He's also in the QMJHL, which is very French, so. There's a very high possibility I'm pronouncing this name incorrectly, and apologies if I do, but he is scoring a ton of points. He's at uh, 39 points in 35 games, so he's over a point-per-game pace. Uh, the only guy who's really kind of having a rough go at the moment is Nils Juntorp, who's playing with the Dubuque Fighting Saints. Uh, he hasn't scored in his last eight games. So uh, that's not great, but uh, he's still playing top line minutes at least. So there's that. And then uh, Sam Renzel's playing with the Waterloo Blackhawks and doing just fine. Uh, doesn't like he's still very young and raw talent several years away from the NHL. Uh, I really don't think there's anybody on that list that has done anything to hurt their stock as a draft pick uh, so far. So so there's that, which is nice. Uh, sure, bits. Um, it, there's not a lot of like the the Michael Crutel situation that Shea was discussing. So, so there's all that. Uh, Mill, did you have any of the college stuff? I know Eric wrote it, but I know you had written a few of them earlier in the year. Did you have any uh any stuff on the NCAA's? Uh, you know what? Let's just refer back to Eric's article on that because. <laughs> I, yeah. I and I say this every time, but like I hate judging kids at certain levels because you see how many guys are hyped at college, and so many of them come into the NHL level right as, mm-hmm. as soon as their college season's done, and only a few of them really shine. Yeah, uh, right off the bat. I I I guess the the biggest key I've I've picked up from college like if the guys are are killing it as freshmen and sophomores, and then they make the jump to the NHL, that's something worth keeping an eye on. But if it's a guy who's a senior or like a fifth year senior that's that's thriving in the NH or thriving at the college level, uh, they may not you may not want to expect too much out of them when they come to the NHL. Like the the Drew LeBlanc, the Drew LeBlanc, Drew and uh, yeah, yeah, we'll call that the Drew LeBlanc, Kyle Bond or whatever. Yeah, Kyle Bond. Yeah, exactly. Um, um, I think too though, like that's like uh, more specific to hockey. Because mm-hmm. there are guys who play four or even five years in college and other sports who do succeed. Mm-hmm. But it, it's it's a game speed thing, I really think. Yeah. I mean, there's there's not – it's it's kind of similar to the situation with the CHL and USHL that most of the Blackhawks prospects who are playing in college are doing at least fine. None of them are really mm-hmm. having bad seasons. The only one uh, – and I know – I think Shea had written about this earlier in the year. Uh, Landon Slagger at Notre Dame. Yeah. Great season. But uh, somebody – one of the Blackhawks reporters tweeted that, like, uh, no- Notre Dame's team across the board is having a very bad season. So uh, the Black- – I mean, Ryder right, right Rolston is, is doing pretty Ryder Rolston is – he's producing pretty well for a guy who's been mostly doing third-line minutes. So, um, so that's – that that's something, I guess. Uh, but like Wyatt Kaiser, I think Wyatt. I was Kaiser say, I'm waiting have, for the Kaiser kid to come up. <laughs> I think Wyatt Kaiser's had some tough moments, but I think his season's been overall pretty good. Uh, same thing with Connor Kelly. Um, so yeah, and then like uh, Dominic Bassey at, at St. Cloud State was, he's having a much better season than I think anybody expected him to have. Uh, Drew Camesso's really doing well after uh, he like there was a game early and somebody. Uh, somebody tweeted this because uh, I didn't even realize it. Uh, like, he, like his numbers got tanked because uh, a game, one of Boston's games early in the season, I believe there was a five-on-three power play with Camesso in net for a full five minutes because Boston got two major penalties at the same time, and he got shelled. He gave up like five, six, seven goals during that uh, extended power play, uh, and that just like tanked his numbers for like the first half of the season and it looks like they're finally starting to recover now. So, uh, so there's that as well. It looks like, uh, 
all, all the college prospects are fine. And then fingers crossed that maybe Frank Nazer gets back on the ice before the season ends for Michigan. Uh, that may not come until at least next month, though, if it comes at all. So, yeah, any other Blackhawks prospects we missed? Any other big names or anything? I think that was pretty much a, a full tour of the of the system. No, I think that was everything. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, I, I'm out of Blackhawks things to talk about unless uh, anybody else has something else to offer. I mean, we're, we're probably going to come back next week and talk about a four-game losing streak. It's at least somewhat weird slash kind of funny that they bring Patrick Kane back after winning three games in a row without him, and then they immediately get shelled, right? Like I, I don't have a good, I don't have a good reason to explain why that's happening, but it's just hilarious to me that it is. It's just bad. Maybe he's got like we used to. I used to joke that the Blackhawks' bad luck since 2015 was like the price they had to pay for the three cups in six years. Maybe Patrick Kane's like bad luck, like or good luck from those years is running out now. And it's just his bad luck tank now. Yeah. Well, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I guess all the, all the fortunate bounces that happened for like a six year stretch are coming home to roost. And then uh, maybe there's some karmic justice happening for some of the things the Blackhawks did away from the ice. So yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's a weird, it's a, uh, it was just a weird week of uh, things that happened that they're, uh, a, a, their best player goes out for three games and then they win three in a row for the first time in two months, but whatever, we'll probably have more losses to talk about next week. So we'll, we'll get into that then. Uh, but let's uh, transition to our favorite segment of the uh, episode, the food portion for the best food themed hockey podcast on the internet. Uh, I, I just have a lament here. And then I think I can swing this into a discussion. Um, at the game Thursday night, I went to, to around the 300 level looking for, the steak sandwich at the ironworks booth that was, I believe right outside of three Oh eight. And it's not there anymore at the United center. And I'm very upset about this because it was just a wonderful steak sandwich with some chips that were fine, but just, it was, it just was like the perfect stadium food. I'm not going to pretend it's like a culinary masterpiece of any kind, but it was just, it was a, it was a staple for me for going to Blackhawks games. I would always get that. And now it's gone. And I, I didn't ha- really have a chance. It just kind of annoys me that like it seems like all of the good food options are down on the hundred level. And I get it. That's where the high rollers are. That's where the people with money are. That's where they're going to put the best products. And you come into the stadium at that level so you can access it. But I just it seems like every stadium does this now. And it just like put some good shit upstairs, too, for the rest of us. Right. That That's my lament. Yeah. Yeah. And I. I. I've had this issue with them going back a long time now because they continue to get rid of things that I enjoy. Um, <laughs> I mean, off ice things I enjoy like food. Clearly the product sucks now, but um, <laughs> like they used to have a place up in the 300 level called Mexican Fiesta. That was my favorite oh, spot. Yeah. And we used to like go to the game early and you know, you get your, you get your real fans program and <laughs> you get Mexican Fiesta and then, you put your feet up and and enjoy the uh, the good old hockey game over the PA, and it was kind of like a tradition. Yeah, and I started going to Ironworks later, and those chips are actually pretty good. Those yeah. pedal chips, yeah, um, with beer, <laughs> uh, and they would have uh, Goose Green Line, which is a good uh, beer to have at the stadium. And I don't know, it, it's it's kind of personal because you make it like your kind of your thing when you go to the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I, and like, there's a good, there's a good barbecue place up there now. So I don't want to get like too unfair. Like th- I had, there was, I had actually had a really good brisket sandwich. So maybe I'll just have to start a new tradition, but, uh, you know, I, I, I had, it was a, it was a thing I did for like a decade. So it's just kind of a decade plus at this point. Um, and I just kind of, kind of bummed that I can't do it anymore. So, um, I guess uh, the way I swing this over to Shay, Betsy, like I, I don't know how often – I guess I would ask if you have any – either one of you have any stadium-specific traditions either at the United Center or whatever stadiums you frequent. If there's a food item that is your go-to, what would you pick? Unfortunately, no. Uh, I, I haven't been to enough Blackhawks games to adventure outside like the like uh, classic well, snacks thing, the uh, mm. like the hot dog, the nachos, okay. the 
Well, I mean, like among those things, do you have a go to like at like even if you're not at a Hawks game, do you have a go to stadium food option? If there are chicken fingers at a stadium, I will never say no, because that is one of the hardest things in culinary in the culinary world to fuck up. That is very true. That is top like high on the list of most reliable food items like just cook the chicken like that. That's really all you got to do. Drop them in the deep fryer. Take them out. Get the oil off, throw them in, throw them in with some fries and hand it to me and I'm going to eat them quickly. Uh, what about you, Betsy? Do you have any uh, stadium food go tos? So the most the two stadiums that I went to the most were uh, what was Phipps, but it's State Farm now for the Thrashers. And then mm. what is Bridgestone for the Predators? Because they're just the closest ones. Um, I don't remember getting much other than like hot dogs and pizza at like what was Phipps. Um, they have a food court. Bef- like down at the bottom so you can get like mows and stuff like that too um that's in the like mall part of what's okay. state farm now okay. uh, it's not bad uh and is there then, a waffle house in there somewhere there actually was a waffle house there's, as there should be uh like but they didn't they, they didn't serve eggs there they only served um waffles and like other like hash browns and stuff like that they did not serve eggs but from, did they serve uh, grits they did serve grits. There, there. All right, that's we got some <laughs> um, important stuff. So, and then, but for Nashville, they have some. I've never sat in the three hundred level because those, like, I've never wanted to be near the like you sucks people. I know that's always like <laughs> one section, but I, yeah. I always hated that, and I tried never to sit in the two hundred. Um, and I've sat in the two hundred level way more than I have in the one hundred level. So they have um, rotating stuff in the two hundred level, but they have they often have a, a food network rotating Ooh. thing down there okay. there's a lot of southern food networky kind of things but the best thing i ever actually ate there was like this like soba noodle thing <laughs> um and i just remember sitting there like this is the weirdest thing i've ever eaten i've got chopsticks and i've got like a thing of noodles at a hockey game it felt very like yeah okay disconnected <laughs> but it was so so good i love uh, yeah i love the idea uh it just i like Sitting in a stadium seat trying to eat something with chopsticks seems very complicated. Oh, I immediately was like, can I have a fork? And they did not have <laughs> one. So I was like, I need to go to another place. But it was too too close to um, the end of intermission. So I just was like, cool, I'm trying. And I'm not great with chopsticks. Let me just tell you. I just like stabbed them in there and then rotated until I had enough <laughs> to eat it. But um otherwise nashville has some what what they rotate in that that top thing is pretty good um they one i know one time they had like a buffet up there that was all southern foods and they had some of the best they had like three different flavors of collard greens that were essentially mm. like spicy sweet and normal salty um they were all so good and See, i didn't like spicy stuff. all right so. now but now i have an idea i think they should do this at every stadium but it should be like a rotating cast of local restaurants like let some place come in and serve up its whatever its local flair is. And does, does Chicago have like taste of neighborhoods? Uh, yeah, Atlanta, Chicago, yeah. Taste of yeah. Chicago. Well, yeah, there's there's the taste of Chicago, which is the whole city, but like I, I, every little neighborhood has its own. Festival, okay, yeah, okay, because Atlanta much. has that too, and um, they do it at uh, they did a taste of like whatever like the the hotel district at uh, Mercedes-Benz one time at a football game. I didn't go to it, but I remember them talking about, they're like, come to ours, we'll have vendors that are, you know, and you just had to pay a certain amount of money. You could go and essentially get samples of food from every uh, neighborhoody kind of thing that you wanted. I, I, I was kind of jealous because that sounded delicious. Yeah. You know, at the worst, uh, we, we moved up our recording time this evening, so we're all doing this right before dinner, and I think we're all about to go eat a very unhealthy amount of food, but uh, it's going to be worth it. Uh, but I think that's going to do it for this episode of Musings on Madison. Uh, thanks, everyone, for hanging out this evening. Thanks to you for listening. One more time around the group. Uh, Shepard is on Twitter at Jehosa's Witness. Mill is at Mill182. I am at DML57. Betsy's not on Twitter, but she's at secondcityhockey.com under the name LBR. And that's also where you can find all of our previews, recaps, prospect stuff, whatever, whatever it is you want to read about the Blackhawks. We've probably got something there for you. So feel free to check that out. And uh, also, if you want to 
go to iTunes and leave us a five-star review. That'd be wonderful as well. Um, But thank you so much for listening to this episode, and we'll talk to you next week. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, Just go to cars.com. It's magical.